And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hello everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, the Colossus low on hyperfuel, arrives in Dakar, only to find the aftermath of a deadly battle during The Last Jedi. But Kaz looks to seize an opportunity. There will be a pirate quest! Tam regrets all of her life choices, and that bitch continues to be the worst! We're talking about a quick salvage run this week. How you doing, Kurgis? Good. How you doing? Is it, as, I, is it hot there, too? You know, I it is hot, but it's, like, normal hot. I saw the Weather Channel. Man, you are cooking. You're hotter than I am. We're Yeah, we've been... It was it was supposed to... Well, it was supposed to be, like, sort of tipping near 80 today, and I guess it sort of stayed there because it was rainy, but it's... Yeah, it's muggy. Mm-hmm. Muggy. Like, we're, like, normal June. Like, we're supposed to be, like, upper 80s, muggy every day, like occasional pop-up thunderstorm like this is normal june for us like you guys are in an actual heat wave yeah no we feel it feels like we are in the just dog days of summer the the last week so it's i kind of like it because it feels like it's much later in the summer rather than right at the tip of the summer so it's like hopefully going to make summer feel longer hopefully it just doesn't start snowing in like september or something like that see i have the opposite i'm just like oh it's gonna be such a long hot summer why god why (laughs) i'm okay but that's i i like it because i work in a kitchen and which sounds counterintuitive because it's hot as hell in a kitchen and and the kitchen i'm working in is extra hot now because it's a different one it's tinier it's where i used to work so i'm back in a tinier even hotter kitchen so once you get used to that like in comparison everything feels cooler you know what i mean i don't even really we don't we don't have air conditioning going in our house or anything like that we just blow fans on us or open up windows and stuff like that to sort of manage it and I imagine it's rough around my housemate, but I'm just like, I get conditioned to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You also live up north, so, like, you guys don't have as long of a summer. You like, gotta, here, yeah. here, it's just like, my God, the moment, like, May ends, it's just hot for, like, four months. And it's, like, not even, like, comfortable hot. It's, like, 
muggy hot where it's the humidity and the heat, like the um oh yeah the heat index is like 10 degrees higher and oh the whole thing sucks <sighs> well yep what what did you think about this episode ah this is uh and uh i need to say this about the always i i need to say this about the first episode of any season but this one's but this isn't this is the second one but it's my favorite episode of the season so far i liked it a lot yeah i i really like this episode too um i i do think i liked it a little bit more than last week you know and last week was pretty darn solid um before we do get into the episode though um, i do want to say we have an announcement for next week we're going to an- announce our guest, but we're going to do it at the end of the episode, so you're going to have to stay tuned to hear who our guest is next week. <laughs> That's right. I hope you will. I'm so excited. <clears throat> well, are you ready to get into this episode? I am, Hope. Okay, Chris. Wait, are we doing a bit? Wait, are we doing a bit? No, I mean, we, you know, I just thought you were, we were talking about getting our names out there, Hope. Okay. Chris, just making sure we're not doing a bit, Chris. No, no, no bits. No bits in this show. This is just down-to-earth talking. Chris, right, Chris. Right, 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 Chris. You're using my name a lot, Hope. Well, you were using it first, Chris. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. (laughs) No, still call me by my first name and we'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Only my siblings get to call me that, and even then, that's, like, I barely accept it. So... Anyway, ready? Yes. A quick salvage run is the 23rd episode of Star Wars Resistance. It aired on October 13th, 2019, and it was written by Brandon Allman and directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. The various coaxium containers were all based on design studies from Solo, A Star Wars Story, which was being developed at the same time as Star Wars Resistance. Hamato Ziano... Hamato Ziona, Kaz's dad, has a very specific costume design, according to series art director Amy Beth Christensen. She said, It needed to reflect who he is very quickly, since we only get a quick glimpse of him. The cut of the costume is somewhat ceremonial and decorative, since he's a senator. The rank badge and epaulets are a nod to his military ties, and the gold details to imply his wealth and status. And finally... Since the Colossus arrives at Dakar shortly after the battle scene and the opening of The Last Jedi, all the debris is from ships seen in that sequence. The large piece of the Star Destroyer that they go to is actually a small piece of the Dreadnought that exploded. There is a fire on the planet's surface to imply that the Resistance base was destroyed after they escaped in the movie. You know who is also a small fire on a planet? Oh. Did you like that one? I am glad. I was that. Yeah, I wanted to give you a nice one, Yoda. I, I feel like I've been a little hard on you the last few weeks, and I wanted mm. to give you, give you a nice compliment. You're you are <laughs> you're our favorite <laughs> our favorite Yoda. Hard on you, said. Oh, <laughs> I walked into that one. I'll give you that. Doing Yoda? Good. Mm. Weather nice and moist. Mm. I, I was about to say, I have, you moist. were saying that you were starting your summer moistening. How's your moistening Mo- going? Moistening is going good. Yes, Yoda's soaking it all in. Yes, supple <laughs> he is. 
very supple and moist. Well, as, actually, that's a good segue into my question. Oh. Because we are starting to get into the summer, and I remember last week you were talking about your moistening. So what is the mm. best way to get into that summer beach body? Yoda does, um, 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 space stairmaster. Yes. Stairmaster? Mm. Space Zumba? Yes. Yoda Zumbas all around, up do and you, down. Do you find the local farm boy and climb on his back and make him exercise for you as you ride along? Mm, Yoda would like to. Not as many farm boys around Yoda anymore. Stop hanging around Yoda for some reason. Oh, that's weird. I wonder why. Mm, farm boys are boring, they are. Yes, that's why. Mm. Don't know how to have fun. Mm. Don't know how to learn. Mm. Mm. Do, you, do you get your laps into the swamp? Your, your swamp laps? My, you, you want to see Yoda's swamp lap? Mm. No, 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 not your swamp. No, not like that. That's not. No, oh. no. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. No, 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 I don't. I'm good. Yes, running in circles, Yoda does. Yes. Mm. <clears throat> Yoda that's thought another kind of something else. Mm. I meant swimming, but yeah, that's another kind of lap. I'll take it. <laughs> you're not. You're not wrong. So it's. I. You probably run farther than I can. Um, maybe sort of running. <laughs> well, um, I will take all those into consideration for my own summer exercises, and we'll see you later. Yoda has lightsaber jump rope. Oh, oh, be careful! Watch those toes. Mows mm, the lawn at the same time. Yes. Yeah, definitely watch those toes. Mm, oh, trim, trims, trims Yoda's nails. It does, and mows the lawn. Yes. You should see my face. I'm like, I'm kind of horrified at this like image of like, uh, uh, the trail of destruction of Padawan parts. <laughs> I guess Anakin came in. Mmm. <laughs> reminds Yoda of the disaster lightsaber stripper pole. Mm. Bad Ooh. idea. It only took one person to show that it was a bad idea. When they went to hop on that pole, they just kept going and going. Going and going. Anyway, on that happy note, bye, yo, and I will see you next week with our guest. Let's moisten some more now. Jeez. Hmm. God, I... That's what you get for being nice to him, I guess. One compliment, and he brings up the stripper pole. Come on, man. It's okay. We got guests coming, so he'll be on on somewhat good behavior. <laughs> at least, you know, it'll have that Eddie Haskell sheen of of legitimacy. <laughs> I just thought I'd just pull out the Kermit in the middle of one of our guests and really confuse them. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> anyway, act one. Act one, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh my god. We open with Tam. And, you know, she's trying to fit into her new First Order life. And she's like, 
not quite fully 100% there, but it's an opportunity. But you can tell because she still has her calm from, you know, home. And she hides it from the other troopers to make sure they don't see it. And, you know, she sits down on her bunk once they leave with the door wide open and starts to listen to Kaz's message. And you can tell that she's really thinking about what Kaz is saying. But, oh, my God, then that bitch, that bitch, Jace Rucklin, fucking little fucklin, that little dumb shit shows up like the goddamn space Nazi he is. And he's all like, what you listen to there? Is that Kaz? Why are you talking to Kaz? Why? What do you think this is? No, no, you don't need to talk to Kaz. Doesn't <laughs> I... the First Order have bathrooms? Come on. Come on, Tam. That's something, to... that's something you listen to in the in the stall for sure. <laughs> plot, plot has to move. I feel, I understand. I feel the same way. I was like, why are you listening to this out in the open? I feel the same way, but plot has to move some way. So, anyway, that little bitch is like, Tam, you can't have that. That's contraband. And if you don't turn it in, well, I will turn you in because I'm an asshole, and I've always been an asshole because I'm. That bitch. So she's like, okay, fine. So anyway, doing all this, we go to our heroes. And Nico and Kaz are in Anzis. And the pirates are just bottomless pits. Consuming everything in sight. And this is starting to become a problem. Because, you know, they're at war. And they're on the run. And the platform is starting to run out of a lot of essentials really, really fast. But the pirates just don't give a fuck because it's free meals. So then, Pirate Mom Sonarasan shows up, and she's just like, hey, you guys, what's going on? And they're like, hey, Sonara, nothing. And she's like, well, I would really love to help you guys out. And Kaz is like, okay, you can help us out. We'll let you know. During all this, Kaz gets buzzed from Yeager, and Yeager wants, is like, hey, come up to the command deck. There's a Skype call for you. And Sonara's like, what's that about? And Kaz is like, I can't tell you. And she's like, Kaz, you know I'm a spy. I know you're a spy. <laughs> like, why are you still lying? Why are you lying to me? We know this. Everything's out in the open. Why are you still being coy about this? Anyway. But, uh, so, Niku, during all this, is like, huh, I wonder if it's Tam calling you back. And Pirate Mom is just like, Tam, my girlfriend, my girlfriend who left for the First Order, my girlfriend who left and didn't say goodbye, and Niku is like, well, to be fair, you left her first and didn't say goodbye when you went back to your pirates, and she's like, semantics, that doesn't count, that's not the point here, she's with the First Order now, at least I went back to my family, she ran off with a bunch of fucking space Nazis, and that bitch fucking. so you know what, Niku, shut up, <laughs> Niku's like, I'm sorry, I opened my mouth, and Sonara's like, Kaz, you're being a damn bleeding heart protagonist here. Don't be a damn bleeding heart protagonist. Your bleeding heart's gonna get us all killed, protagonist. And Kaz is like, well, I trust him, because friendship is magic. And, and Snara's like, this is how I'm gonna die. Anyway, so Kaz and Niku leave, and they go up to the command deck. And um, they're like, hey, them being Doza and... What's the other guy's name? Yeager. Wow, I blanked for half a second there. I totally forgot Yeager's name. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so best dad, Captain Doza, and boss dad, Yeager, are just like, Kaz, it's your really shitty, terrible, awful dad. Here, we're going to stand here so we can be reminders of how much better we are, and we love you, and he just want to treat you like shit. 
And he's like, and Cass is like, oh, cool, thanks. Hey, father. And that's how you know the difference is because he calls Hamato father. And Hamato's like, there you are, my son. Oh, my God. So we've been looking everywhere for you. Our entire family very conveniently got off Hosnian Prime before an attack. Problem is, you're with the resistance. So bounty hunters are now coming after us, and it's all your fault. So we want you to come home and m make this right so we can then blame you and throw you under the bus. And Kaz is like, I have people who rely on me here, Dad. And <laughs> and he's like, I've, I'm trying to get to the resistance. We are going to Dakar. And Hamato's like, you don't need to go to Dakar for reasons undisclosed that I know that that's a very dangerous place for you to go. Don't go to Dakar. And then they lose connection just as they're getting to Dakar. And Kaz is like, well, my dad still sucks. At least I have you, Captain Best Dad Doza, and you, Boss Dad Eager. And they're both like, yes, we will continue to raise you, son, because we love you very much. So they show up at Dakar, and they're all like, wow, looks like we missed the opening battle of The Last Jedi. I guess we'll just have to wait and have another chance to be in a movie when Tross comes out. And then the door slowly opens, and it's J.J. Abrams, and J.J. is like, Not if I have something to say about it, cartoon characters! You'll never be in a movie! Ah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm J.J. Abrams! Ah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> this is actually just me laughing for real. I made myself <laughs> Anyway, long story short, um, long story short, the resistance base is wiped out, and that bitch Fucklin is still a space Nazi, and he took camp tyranny empire and turned her in. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I, I was not expecting that bit to go that far, and then you started, like, the music, and it made me laugh, so I was like, let's do this whole thing! 120 <laughs> percent oh i do think of act one it was good um it's kind of it's kind of a harsh moment for kaz when he has to like all of a sudden like see his planet destroyed and then, then think the resist and then like oh my family's still alive oh the resistance is gone like you know, after a while, he's like, okay, they're, you know, probably a bunch of them got away. But it was his first thought was probably like, well, so much for the resistance now. And that, then I was thinking, like, if they really believe that, this is sort of a tangent. But what if they did the story where they, like, faked their death, you know? They, like, somehow made it look like maybe they blew up there and something had just hit, you know, hit out to, like, find out what's going on. That would have been a neat storyline i think my, my kind of thing about all this too is dakar is a very green planet can they just like not go to the other side of the planet and like get some water <laughs> like like yeah I, they could probably I, I, I dip down into the atmosphere and take on water that would have been a neat scene you know but that that because that well i can also see how like what if you as we're taking on water and like getting food and stuff the first order shows up and we have to purge a lot of the water just to take off again i could see how that'd be kind of like the season one finale 
But I was, they were like, oh, the resistance base is gone. I guess we have nowhere to go. And I'm like, there's an entire fucking rest of the planet. <laughs> like, to just go to the other side and hang out for like a day. Yep. Hide right out. My other, only other note is, it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. They don't really address it. It could have been handled in a couple different ways. But like, it's kind of weird that Fuckland goes, goes with her. To... Um, he wants all that praise for himself. Where right, if she right, out, right. Be like, that's what real, I did. Like, that's a, that's a real red flag for you know. I mean, it, it doesn't really work as well for Fucklin, or it does work out well for Fucklin because if it turns out that she's still hanging out, you know, siding with the resistance, and he's gonna look good or whatever. But it's just weird that they like that would have been something I mentioned when they're both gone. It's uh, it's just like, yeah, she was coerced into coming to us, you know, and I, I, you know, I mean, that could be also something that's just left unspoken and assumed. But like having him there is is like really bad for Tam because it makes it look like, you know, you know, it's just like, oh, Ruckland and I like. You know, you could, I guess you could pawn it off to be like, I, you know, I, I got this message and then I was like, what should I do? So I asked Ruckland because I trust him or something. But they, you know, they got to know he's a little prick by now anyway. The he's a little, I think everybody knows that he's a little prick. Right. Even like, he's, he's, he's a prior tyranny or just like, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the First Order wants little pricks, but they know they're little pricks. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so it was like it was just not like not good for Tam, like working up through the ranks. But like, you know, you're getting the impression you're starting to get the impression now that they're just like, ah, we'll use her till we don't need her anymore. You know, well, well yeah, I mean, they flat out say that in like what, like X3 where Pyre and Tyranny, like Pyre's like, you need to condition her. And Tyranny's like, no, no, we're holding off on her conditioning because she's more useful to us as a normal human. It's Yeah, and it's still unclear, you know, Tyranny, Tyranny may like be like, doesn't want to condition her because she sees herself in her or something like that. Oh, I don't think it's that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it could be to, but uh, or it could be totally just like, yeah, I'll use and 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 discard her. It's it's still left up in the air, but it's starting to not look good for Tam behind her back. Yeah, and that's my only other note. Um, I'm actually surprised. The majority of my notes are in Act One, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So to continue talking about Tam. I love how just in this very opening, like where she listens, to the, she's listening to the mes- message and Fucklin comes in. Um, I love how subtly they're already showing that she's completely regretting her choices, because if she was truly fully all in with the first order, she would not be hiding that communicator. She would have handed it over right, right away. She wouldn't be like looking around and like keeping like keeping it under her helmet like she uh, it's so, and it's it's kind of a very subtle Okay, not super subtle, but like it's a it's a good like way to show that she's clearly not into this, and they do it all throughout this episode. I'll I'll note it a few more times. It's it's but, maintaining a connection. It's yeah. like a a good symbol for a connection, like and, a phone. And, and it's a tale of two items. So we have two really prominent items that Tam handles in this episode. One is the communicator. That is her past. That is her home. That's her connection to her friends. The other one is her helmet, which in Act 3, I'll go ahead and do my Act 3 now, that helmet is dehumanizing. And Tyranny, as Tam is leaving, is like, put on your helmet, DT-533, or 553, whatever her number is, and is taking away Tam's name. So the communicator is her identity, but the helmet is 
what she thought was going to be her future, but it's actually stripping away that identity. And she's not going to be able to be herself, and it's taking that away. And I think I just love how the two items that Tam handles in this episode is her past and what she thought her future was be, would be, and now she's doubting it. I agree. I got my moments. Um, little little tiny note, I love how Niku thinks that gorgs are essential. <laughs> He's like, we're running out of food, water, gorgs. Oh, gorgs, no. <laughs> so. Um, Maybe someday when he goes into retirement, he'll be a gorg, gorg breeder. I, you know, when, when now I will say when he mentioned Gorgs, I did have half a thought about Orkin Flix's pet Gorg. Like, are they going to have to hide by him? So, sometime, yeah, if things get bad enough, the pets are the first to go. Oh, Bitey, no! <laughs> um, so I, then I have uh, two scenario notes. Um, one thing that I thought was actually really interesting is when Sonara first comes into the episode, she's cleaning up after the pirates. And I think that's a really nice character beat for her because it reflects her time on the Colossus in season one. Because she likes this place, she obviously respects ANC. She likes this is that was her other home, and I think she's aware that her other family is disrupting her current family, and they're making a mess. And so I liked that beat of Sonara like picking up after the pirates to help out and being. I, I joke that she's pirate mom. That's because Sonara's on my mommy list, but she really is kind of becoming maternal is not the word I want to use. Kind of, I guess, maturing past the pirates. The pirates are very immature. And she's, because of her time in season one on the Colossus, she's almost risen above that. So she's starting to get kind of caught into these two worlds because she has this first found family, which is the pirates. And then she has this new found family. And we, we were talking about this with, was it in our episode with Jonna? How it's kind of turning the found family on its head? What was it that episode? Well, that's, I think? that's how that's what happens in war, with wars, you yeah. know. Yeah. Usually, like usually, like the last the um, rebels, it was a family that found itself during war. This is all families that found themselves on the the other just on the other side of war. So, like they have their families, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so there's stresses and pro- and reconfigurations going on. Yeah, and that's we we get that with Kaz and his father too. Yep. Yep. Um, before I get into Kaz and his father, uh, my only other scenario note is is I like that Sonara is understandably upset about Tam because Tam was one of the first people to reach out to her. Like, uh, and she like reached out to Sonara. She wanted to, she befriended her, and she was the first one to say like, Sonara, I believe in you. I just wanted to come make sure you were okay and check on you. Are you okay? And Tam is such an important part of Sonara's character change. So I like that Sonara is. Her logic first comes out because she's like, Kaz, why are you contacting someone in the First Order? And Kaz is like, I trusted you, Sonara. So why should I give up my trust in Tam? And, and you can see that impact Sonara. Because she's fighting between her logic and wanting to believe in Tam. Because this person means something to her. So it was just a really nice But she's nice also a little more world worldly than the rest of them. So she's still got a little cynical. Like, she's like, ah, oh, you're so sure? You know, maybe not. You know, mm-hmm. strange, like, stranger right. things have happened. I hope you're right, but we'll see, Kaz. Yeah, it's war yeah, now. Yeah. You know, that's interesting, though. The whole it's war now. Because... Sonara has grown up in a world a world that was always kind of fighting. You know, they're scavengers. They fight for survival. They take what they want. They're always kind of fighting. Kaz grew up in a peacetime. 
you know, this is season one has really been his first experience with war. And now they're fully in the war. And I think that's why you you see that kind of like real world versus Kaz's idealism. And it's portrayed really well in those two characters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I and I imagine maybe Sonara's had her share of like betrayals and disappointments in her life, too. So mm-hmm. with people she trusted, that's a good way to end up with pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you want to end up with pirates? That's how you end up with pirates. My 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 <laughs> unless you're Niku who is just like you know what I want more information let me try this lifestyle choice nope not for me <laughs> I like Niku's whole three minutes as a pirate and he's just yeah. like nope not for me <laughs> not into this this is way too much for me uh, <laughs> what was I going to say oh yeah um my last three notes are about Cass's dad. Um, one is going to be a slight criticism, but I just want to pre- preface by saying I really like the scene. I wish they had waited just a little bit longer to reveal Kaz's dad. And I'm thinking, like, maybe the end of this episode or next week's episode. And the reason I wish they waited just a little bit longer is Kaz not knowing that his family is okay is a very interesting character choice for Kaz. He's not used to dealing with trauma, like heavy emotional trauma. He's not used to dealing with that kind of uncertainty. And that's what made his character so interesting last week because he was using Tam as a friend of just like, I'm wondering if Tam is okay, I'm worried about Tam, but he also just lost his planet and he had no idea where his family was. Right, and, right now in another dimension where Kaz is real, he's going, thanks, Hope, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you are I'm glad you want me to think my family's dead for longer to get give some me, more dramatic uh give dramatic me your, your trauma me, fictional character in agony and in angst. Thanks. But no, like but that is actually like one of my big gripes of season two is they could have done a really good good story about Kaz's trauma. And having to deal with this and even like not knowing with his because because here's kind of my problem with it. You know, he finds out in this episode that his family's okay and he's magically better. He lost a fucking planet. You know, even if Leo found out that Breha and Bale were alive, she still (laughs) lost a planet. (laughs) Remember, he's still reeling from the initial and like. Maybe the writers wanted to be like maybe not as much easier on Kaz, but as on like the younger ends of the audience of it and give. But like he's he's a he's in an awkward, awkward, not awkward isn't the word I'm thinking for vulnerable position after losing his planet. And then and then knowing that his family a lot is alive might, you know, totally just, you know, manically make him happy again. But at the same time, that might not last, you know, yeah, he might he two two nights later, he might be going to sleep and then be like, oh, my God, my planet and then be guilty for being relieved that his family was, you know, there's yeah. there's and and have it and like having like if this went six or seven seasons like Clone Wars or even four seasons, you know, I mean, you could you could do like if they they at this point it's like known to everybody and announced this is the last season so you know get like 
it would you wouldn't have the time to really to show the like realistically or in anything but a just sort of rushed superficial way like dealing with grief you know mm-hmm. so they just probably didn't have time to to do it and, if that and, was discussed you know what i mean yeah um i agree with everything you've said because that's all the stuff i wanted to see like if this was yeah. like rebels or clone wars or even now bad batch like i feel like we would get that or yeah. at least a little bit more of it but i do think a the shortened time frame of this being the final season and you do bring up a really good point about this being for a younger audience the target audience that would be a very heavy storyline but i feel like dealing with loss and trauma and grief is a storyline that star wars shouldn't shouldn't pull away from sometimes little kids have to deal with that stuff too so, exactly Actually, so to tell, to you tell know story, having um, having something but like again if you do it really quickly it might not be the best way to to do it so you know like because clone wars got that we we the, the with like the issues of ptsd with clone wars like we had the luxury of not just clone wars but you know once ahsoka and rex were reintroduced into rebels after a period of time too so we have this huge stretch of these characters where you see where they're that where war is taking its toll on them immediately in the war but you're just getting bits and pieces you know little little things here and there that show and then there's other people who like have worse things happen but then you also get to see them after some years of of getting some distance from it but there's it's still uh, you know, I mean, Rex is Rex and the other troopers have run off to just go fishing for the rest of their life, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, so there's so we had a, a, a good long time to to examine those things in in those those two shows. And this it's just like the Yeah, it's I, everything's got to be in a shorthand why it bothers me is for two reasons one i would rather them try and fail than not try at all um and two this is one of the few times in star wars animation where i feel like they're almost talking down to their audience which they don't do they've never shied away from talking down to their audience but i feel like the handling of kaz's trauma and losing his planet and how he's like magically better and we never see him process that fully process that I feel like that is a huge misstep of this show because I, you know, I, I, I kept thinking about um, a, a Twitter user. Her name is Alderanian Rose, and she's been on a few uh, podcasts, and she has this amazing story about how she's from the U.S. and she moved to Ukraine, and she works with foster kids because, hey, there's a war going on with Russia and Ukraine right, right now. Um, and she used Star Wars Rebels as a way to help teach them about how to lose family because they got to see Ezra lose his parents. And she used Star Wars Rebels as a teaching way to help these kids grieve having lost their family in war. And it, it, please look up Alderaan. It's Alderanian R on Twitter. She actually has it pinned currently with her talking on Steel Wars about this. It's a beautiful story. Can't recommend it enough. So good. Um, but that's like, 
I even in two seasons, I expect these people, even with a younger targeted audience, to tackle some of these harder things. They, they did it in Freemakers Adventures. Freemaker Adventures is a much younger audience than this. And they still tackle the three siblings losing their parents and going through trauma and fighting in war while still being a jokey show. And I think that's, that's why a, it bothers... It's, it's also couched in, like, a jokey show, too, so it's less, like... But that's not what I'm saying, but they still tackle those heavy topics and yeah. discuss it and go through the process, the mental process that the characters are going through in war. And I feel like they don't do this with Kaz here. And I feel it's the one of the biggest missed opportunities of Resistance, and it really bothers me. Uh, this is a this is a hill. Hope is on. You shouldn't die on hills, but like I really yeah, feel and, strongly about this. And it's something they could have done that has no bearing in it, what's going on in the movies. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think why why it bothers me is because it was it's such a good opportunity to kind of process what Leia might have gone through. I talked about this when we were talking with Mike with uh, mm-hmm. Mark with Pikmo. Um but the fact that they never touch on this again because even I would I would have even just loved to see that like somewhere middle of the season like Kaz just snaps awake and uh, like a quick five second thing like him snapping awake and just panting because he had a, a horrible nightmare. You know these. I, I just now I'm just beating a dead horse. That horse yeah. is dead. Um, but it's just a lot uh, of the times, it's a lot of the things we say can be reduced to. I wish this had two or three more seasons. I, that's, <laughs> I am just so ready to like make a shirt that says like Resistance deserves three seasons because <laughs> they could do a fucking hell of a three season now. Now that they know how Tross ends, they could do a hell of a third season. Yeah, and, and guess what? They could probably do a lot of things to make those the the lot you know trust. They could they could smooth out a few rough edges, you know, or explore yeah. things that were like just sort of shorthanded or like might be interesting, but were just sort of yeah. There's all sorts of yeah. Yeah, one one of the things I think they could really really do is because. I can't say that. That's a show spoiler. Caught myself. I almost did it, Chris. I almost spoiled the show for you. (laughs) I did not. Anyway, but I I know I'm harping hard on this scene, so I do want to go back and actually talk about the actual scene itself because I really do like this scene with Kaz and his father. Um, Yeah. I really love just for one, we do see that manicness the moment he sees his father. Like they animate Kaz to where I, I can't even really describe it because he almost looks panicked. And I, well, I think he was expecting Tam. Yeah. Like he was probably very happy to hear from Tam, but then this happened, and it's that 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 just would you know that would that would put you deer in the headlights for a couple seconds yeah. you know and what gets me is he almost looks scared and but at the same time like it's 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 such an interesting well he emotion. and his dad have history but they could have made this the scene could have been really cheesy or by the books or something where you know we had some of the you know the 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 screw you dad energy we were talking about <laughs> I have two new but of course <laughs> but it's it's all yeah yeah they're both and and also both of them are talking like you know they're probably sitting some somewhere with a bunch of their peers in a very official sort of thing but they're like their father and son just happy to see each other and just talking frankly 
and but not like you know not frankly like you know i'm very disappointed in you but i'm glad you're alive or something they're just like glad to see each other and it's it's just a it's a nice conversation it's a very realistic conversation and humanistic conversation well that's kind of the thing though is you see so much of their relationship too because for one Cass calls him father um but which is not the warmest way but the first thing his father does is just berate him for his actions like they, they have that like is the family okay yes we got out okay good where are you and he's like i'm with the resistance and hamato just comes down on him like why are you with them you're the reason that bounty hunters are after us like this is it, it was it was almost a nice mirror to the conversation they had in i think the first episode where he was like, oh, Kazuda, why do I have to bail you out of this again? Where are you now? I'm going to have to throw money at you. And it had that same kind of feeling of blaming Kaz for things. And so, you know, they got the loving, like, is everyone okay? Yes, out of the way. And then it goes right into that character. And it says so much about their relationship. Um, and it's just, it's so short, but it's so great. Because it, it also kind of gives stakes to Kaz. Because his father's like, Bounty hunters are after our family because of you and Kat. I mean, you know, that's another stake to throw on top of Kaz. He lost his family, Tyone's gone, and now his family's being hunted because of him. And like, it's it's and just, him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I I, I really love that scene. There's it was very short, but there's so much in that that you can tell about their relationship and where they are. And yeah, yeah, especially because compared to like as soon as it come goes off. The shot then goes to Yeager and Doza. Um, it goes from Kaz, like, like Father, where are you? Like, I, I, come in, come in. And it goes to Yeager and Doza. And they both are giving him such warm looks. You know, they both look very sad for him and very upset. Like how dad should actually look for kids in distress <laughs> compared to the coldness of Amato. And I loved that, like, kind of, like, three dad triangles of, like, three different dads. And there's the two warm dads who, you know, if this was any other situation, they probably would have hugged Kaz. You know, but they were coming out of hyperspace on the car. So, mm, mm, so good, so good, so good. I want to share a popular fan theory with you. Okay. So, it's based around the questions, how did Kaz's father know that Dakar was going to be dangerous? And so, there's a fan theory going around that he was actually a First Order sympathizer. Because I haven't, I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't read the book yet, so I'm only going off what other people have said. Um, in the book Bloodlines, it really showed how that in the Senate, there were senators who were sympathetic and supported the First Order. And apparently, Hamato got their entire family off of Hosnian Prime before the attack. And then he was like, "Why are you, don't go to Dakar. Dakar is dangerous. Don't go to the resistance on Dakar. How did he know that Dakar was dangerous? <laughs> you know? Well, he's a politician. Well, well, that's the thing. It, that uh, was the, I, I, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. That's the secret rebel base. You know, only Poe and Leia like knew about that. That was not like them going, "Hey, our rebel base is over here." So there is, there's just a very popular theory that he was a rebel, uh, uh, first order sympathizer going around because of this conversation. So see, I'm not. My, my my entire impression of him is that he's more of a resistance. He leans more towards the resistance, but he's kind of a nimby. When it comes to his son, you know, not, you know, know not, in, not in my backyard. Like he leans towards the 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 resistance, 
but well, not not enough that he would the... want his son to fight for him. He would want to keep out of it. But he's a politician, so he's politicians keep tabs on and keep the scuttlebutt on both sides. So, like, he might have been a little slimy and known some stuff and got his family off, but maybe. But I don't think that's, I think that was probably more of a coincidence. I don't think they wrote, I, I, I think he just, like, had, like, scuttlebutt. He's, he's a politician and he'd heard, you know, very, I, I, probably very quickly that there was an attack on a rebel, you know, a resistance base on Dakar and was just like, you know, don't, don't go there. I heard it's bad. And, you know, to say more might reveal his sources or whatever, you know, but like, or, you know, he's playing his cards really close to his chest to see who's going to come out on top. He might've been playing both sides, but I, I take him for more, like, for one, just because of Kaz, the way Kaz is like, okay, there's a, a formality between him and his father of words, like you call me sir or something, but Kaz has obviously been raised very, to be empathetic and to be a, a good person, you know? It makes me wish we got to see his mom at some point, because I bet so, his mom is lovely. Yeah, so, yeah, so there's, so it's, 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 it's good characterization because it can go both ways and his father's a politician. So I think it's, a, I think the, what little pieces we get to put together with his father, with his father are, are very nicely done, you know, mm. we don't get, I disagree. I don't know what the last <laughs> two episodes do, but I think, yeah, I think it's, it, it, it's, it could go either way, but it's. It's sort of a enigma at this point. I disagree because I, especially because of the first episode, he was a very. I think he called the the resistance like vigilantes and a, like illegal vigilantes or something. Like he was very not for them. Right. And, that could also be just to you know yeah. that could be stuff to discourage us. You know, he's trying to discourage his son no, from getting involved I, I, with them. I think I'm in the camp that he was a first order sympathizer. I really. Oh do. sure. Sure. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I'm in that the theory. Is, we can both we both we can both be right on it because it's so it's unclear enough. Because we don't I think. know. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's fun. You know. I think both that's, are true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the kind of conversations pe people have about real people in real life. You know. Mm -hmm. So. I bet he is really hot. I bet he is a beach bud. Oh, <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to do a thing and I failed. Anyway, act two. Act two. <clears throat> the Colossus arrives at Dakar, this big, green, luscious planet that has, clearly has water and places and people where they could go to. But no, they're really focused on the one like red dot that got blown up because the resistance base is destroyed. And I guess they're like, oh, well, the entire planet's lost. Anyway, they have to get out of there. Because, you know, there's this leftover battle and they don't know if the First Order's coming back. But the problem is, they don't have that magical thing invented in Solo, which is called coaxium. Total side note, interrupting myself, there's a lovely podcast slash YouTube channel called Growaxium. Great group of guys, they're really funny, really good content. But I just, I love their name, Growaxium. 
you guys are solid. Anyway, <laughs> love you guys. Check them out. Um, so they don't have any coaxium to go jumping off into hyperspace, which is needed to jump into hyperspace. So Kaz is like, hey, see that big thing that exploded in the last Jedi all, all the way over there? And they're like, yeah, it's part of a dreadnought. And he's like, I bet we could salvage it for fuel. And Yigurt's like, that's actually a really good idea, son. And Kaz is like, please call me son one more time because my daddy is scary and I'm happy he's alive, but he still scares me, Yeager. And, and then Dosa and Yeager come over and they both give Kaz like a really big dad hug because he really needed it. And they're like, we believe in you. And he's like, thanks, dads. <laughs> anyway, so they decide they're going to go salvage the, the dreadnought for supplies. Kaz suggests that they have the pirates and the pirates are expert salvagers and Doza's like okay okay Sonara is an upstanding citizen and she's the only reason I have not yeeted the rest of those pirates out of my ship but they're free labor and they're staying there for free so they might as well earn their keep so Kaz goes down to the pirates and Kragen is like I'm sorry earn our keep we showed up in your final 11th hour thing and blasted the First Order and helped you guys get to safety. We don't fucking owe you shit. You owe us. So no, I'm not gonna help you. And Sonara's like, Kaz, let me show you how this is done. You have to frame this correctly, like this. <clears throat> Kragen, think of all the free shit on that ship. There's gonna be so much free shit. There's gonna be free food and free blasters and free guns and so much free shit. And it's all gonna be yours. It's money, free money. And Kragen's like, she tempted me with the thing that I can't refuse, money. Let's go everybody. So they all get on their ship and they head out. Meanwhile, we go back to the baddies and the baddies have figured out how to break into Tam's comm link. Com link and figured out that to the so I can't talk suddenly. They have broken into broken into Tam's com link and figured out how that the Colossus is over on Dakar. And Tyranny is like, why are they at Dakar? And Pyre, actually, Pyre's like, why are they at Dakar? And Tyranny's like, what if they didn't know that the rebel base was destroyed? And Pyre's like, oh my god, like that is so smart, but I kind of hate you for it. And Tyranny's like, oh my god, I totally hate you too. And they're gonna like, they're like, full fuck you. And he's like, fuck you too, Pyre. Fuck you, Tyranny. And they decide that they're gonna hate hate fuck more later. Anyway, they then go to Tam's bunk because Tam is there with that bitch Fucklin and they're just hanging out and they both, uh, she feels like shit. And they come in and they like salute them and Tyranny wants to personally congratulate Tam on her intel. And that bitch is just smiling and he's a piece of shit. And then Tyranny is just like, it must have been so hard for you to hear Kazuda's message. That must have hurt you so much, Tam will make you feel better. But you want to invite you to the bridge so you can watch the destruction of the Colossus. Your home and watch all your friends and family die. Holy fuck, this is evil. And the whole time, that bitch fucking in the background going, can I watch them all get, dis get destroyed too? Empire's like, no, you're a little shit. Tam's the favorite, go fuck yourself. Fucklin. Even us Nazis know that you're a prick. And Fucklin's like, okay. Anyway, we go back to our heroes. The pirates and Kaz and Nico and CB23 all get on the first order. Now that I think about it, CB23 didn't do anything on this adventure. <laughs> as I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> she didn't do shit. 
but I still love you, CB23. Um, they all get on, on the First Order ship, and all the pirates are like, look at all the free stuff. So the pirates are like, it's shopping time. I'm going to get those blasters. We're going to get these grenades. We're going to have so much fun. Oh, my God. And Niku is like, huh, I am questioning all my life choices. You guys look like you're having so much fun. Can I also be a pirate? And I wish to exploit these new horizons. And he does that for three minutes and then regrets his decision and decides to go back to be a mechanic. Well, they find the hyperdrive and the coaxium. But the problem is it's locked into place. And Niku is like, okay, we have to do this really carefully, you guys, because if we don't do it carefully, it will explode. And Kaz is like, we gotta go fast, though! Like Sonic, gotta go fast! Who knows when the First Order will arrive? And right about then, Yeager calls them and is like, Bad news, kids! The First Order has arrived. And everyone's just like, Kaz, you just had to say something. And Kaz is like, it's not my fault. I'm having a really bad day and I have no dads to hug me right now. Kragen, you want to be my pirate dad? And Kragen's like, oh, don't touch me, dude. I didn't even hug Sonara. And Sonara's like, nope, never got a hug from him. You're going to have to put on your big boy pants, Kaz, and we got to deal with this because the First Order's here. Bum, bum, bum. I only have two short notes in this and one I wish we'd see more of the I want to see the inside of that pirate ship. It's got to be I, so cool. I I didn't write it but um they were like listing some of the parts it's made of like that cockpit area is actually an ATAT like the body and head of one so like the periscope that Craig uses is the same kind of periscope that Veers uses in Empire Strike Back. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, so cool. that's what I mean. I want to say it's 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 got to be an awesome ship and it's got to be all personalized in the cruise quarters and lived in and and rigged up with all different parts. So it's all kind of maybe steampunky or just sort of, you know, just a, a Frankenstein creation and, and, and piratey, you know, so it's just it, it, it could be a lot of fun, but we don't really see an awful lot of it and what we see is not very interesting from the angles that we see it and stuff but i would have liked more of that um my only other note is how how does doza not know that they can't jump into hyperspace they were discussing it last episode that they were gonna have to sort of limp to dakar and you know it's it's he's the captain you know they've they, they they he knows if they can jump or not you know it was it was just a weird little thing and it didn't really make any contribution to the plot you know that no i'm not quite just, sure what you're saying there's a moment where they're like you know we can't jump to Dakar. we need you know where they were up there and they're discussing and Doza was like, what do you mean we can't jump to Dakar? Then we're going to have to fix that. And it's like, yeah, you knew that last episode. You guys were discussing that, you know. He's a captain. Like, there's there's no oh, okay. way he wouldn't know that before Kaz or anybody else. You know, they wouldn't be just giving him that new, the news that they can't jump into hyperspace again just in, at, at that moment. So that, I thought that was like, a we- it was just weird. They're usually tighter with that stuff. But, uh, I, I will say there's Doza has a few times this season where he kind of says a lot of the same stuff, and I'm just yeah. like, can we please do a little bit more with Doza? Yeah, like yeah. you could turn it into a drinking game. How many times 
this season he looks at Tora and he's like, it's too dangerous. He says it so much. <laughs> it's too it's dangerous, dangerous, but at the same time, for a period of time before we even started the show, he's been letting his daughter fight off whoever attacks the station. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, yeah. They, they, Doza has a couple of kind of... There's a few times... That Doza and Yigra, I, I kind of feel like, are a bit underused at times this season. I'm just like, I mm-hmm. want you to be more mentory. Like, you, you guys should be the Kanans or, you know... Even the Martez sisters to the Bad Batch. Like, be the teachers. Like, but you're not. You're just like, all right, teenagers, figure it out. <laughs> They're throwing them in, I guess. Like, they got thrown I, in, I guess. They, I know, don't know. Maybe it is a character choice. Maybe they were thrown in at a young age, and they had to figure it out, too. And they're just like, know. well, it's war. It's time. These guys, she's been fighting with her ship for a while. You know, it's time to. Uh, but that was, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, most of my. Uh, all my notes are the baddies. <laughs> really? <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, uh, Reckon total is shit. <laughs> uh, like when he at said, least when, he didn't get any satisfaction. At least he his his try for attention was was mm-hmm. thwarted and probably very frustrating from him for him. So good. Yeah. Uh, he probably like found like a like a window is just like pressed up against the window like i can't see cats get destroyed he probably pounded his fist into the bunk it's not fair <laughs> not fair <laughs> sorry no i'm i you can cut this out i just remembered something that funny that megan said but it had no contest with any of what we're talking about. So I'm just gonna, oh. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, like when Terry is like, we're about to find and destroy the Colossus. He just smiles. Like, he just smiles so big. Yeah. Like, really? And he's such a shit. And, and I, I, I brag on Rucklin a lot. I, so I, I do want to say, I think he's a very well-written character. Uh, he's right. probably he's probably had fantasies about that moment. He's yeah. just like, ooh. Like Recklin is such a well-written character. I love to hate him. Like he is really pushing Dolores Umbridge hatred for me. And I think Dolores Umbridge is one of the best written characters in in in. Oh yeah, they Potter. they she milked every bit of, yeah. of hatred you could get out of that character. She yeah, Dolores Umbridge was just showed her, she didn't have a mustache to twirl. Mm-hmm. And Rucklin is it kind of hits those same notes. Like everything he does, I just want to punch him in the face, which is what you should be doing with little yeah. space Nazis. You just want to punch them in his little stupid Richard Spencer face. <laughs> I just want to hit him. Um, uh, Tyranny Empire are totally fucking. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, Tyranny's not really a hundred percent into it, but she can blow off steam that way. Yeah, Pyre, yeah. Pyre, Pyre thinks she's in love with him. Pyre thinks he's a man. She's just like, yeah, it'll do in a pinch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the, these kind of two notes go together. They write Tyranny really well um, as well. And I love seeing how she's trying to kind of needle Tam. And it's very clear at the same time, 
this is what I was saying in Act 1. This is another example of Tam is clearly regretting her choices, but she's now kind of in survival mode of, I am stuck here. I need to live. Um, well, I, I like how they let you think that Tyranny might have a little bit of a soul and might be a, a, a character that you can sympathize with a little bit, you know, as, you know, maybe she you know, feels like maternal towards Tam or something and is trying to like, you know, help someone along that she identifies with. But e each minute you spend with her, you get a little more info that she's nah, she's probably pretty soulless. Yeah, I mean, they, it's it's very, it's not even a little bit, it's obvious to me because like when she's with Tam, she's like, Tam, are you okay? You're so good at what you do. That must have hurt you so much. Moment Tam leaves, she's like, so pyre, how are we going to use her tomorrow? <laughs> like, it's clear that it's all an act. And that's where I really enjoy her writing. Um, the only other note that I have is, this is a really cool kind of development in the animation department. So Clone Wars, everybody was kind of boxy. Of course, there's a lot of clones. They were all the same and stuff like that. And then remember in Rebels, when we had kind of background Imperial characters, they didn't have eyes. They had their hats pulled down over the majority of their faces. Yeah, they were sort of clone droned figures. Yeah. And now it's so cool seeing the background First Order characters. They all have unique faces. Yeah, we get to always watch the um, technology improve, you know. In, and now and that's continued in a bad batch because my gosh the city scenes of bad batch yeah are just everyone is so completely different and like I was thinking about rebels how they were reusing character models so like after minister Tua died some of the background Lothal women were Tua's models so you could just see like a brown haired Tua just walk through the background it's and just like, always we're always gonna see it because computers are always getting stronger the software is always getting better and more efficient. The, the animators are getting always getting more, you know, they're, they so they learned a new something, do something new. And all of a sudden that's on the palette from that point on. And they get better yeah. at it as they do it more. So it's we get to just watch it evolve and evolve. It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. season, I, I guess... season by season, you know, of any show, you know, it's just like what... It, the the next se whatever the in the next happens in the next season of Mandalorian is probably going to have be leveled up a little bit you know yeah they got that that mouse money um but actually now that I think about it Resistance is a really good show to test that kind of technology now that I think about it because season one is kind of like a box you know everyone's on the Colossus so once you make those character models you can just put them in different places at the Colossus mm -hmm. and that's all the same people. And now that I think about it, there's really not a lot of new characters in season two. Really? Why, like, would, why would there be? Yeah, you know? like we, we go to like a couple new worlds and stuff like that, but pretty much they use all the like 95% of the people from season there's one. A, there's actually less, um, there's actually less chance for creatures because they're off a world. They're off. They're, they were on a world where people were coming in to get gas, and there were creatures in the water and stuff. So they're yeah. even more sequestered with the, yeah. with the same old characters. And probably a lot of people, you know, probably were like in orbit when the whole Colossus thing were going. To be like, let's not stop at this gas station. <laughs> <laughs> Station needs to come back. Let's, let's um, go back. Let's go back and gas up somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just really cool to see how that animation has continued to development. And 
yeah, and then we're going to see it in Bad Batch, and I'm looking forward to seeing it more as we go on. So those background characters, man. But that's all I had for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No. Let's uh, finish the last Gorg off. Oh, the final Gorg. Sorry, Orkin. Flick is going out the door. <laughs> no. Oh, wait. More Gorgs. Why did he save? Alright, I don't know. Act 3! Trying bits and failing. Some are working, some are not. Let's go. Act 3! So, the First Order has, like, caught out to the Colossus, while Kaz, Niku, Sonara, and the pirates are still on a busted-up ship getting coaxium. And the First Order sends out their TIE fighters, while Doza scrambles the aces, and it's a pew-pew-pew fight that breaks out! So... The Quaxium is locked into a thing, and there's just no choice, no delicate way of getting it out fast enough. So Kragen just smacks the thing until it pops open, and everyone's like, Oh my god, we didn't blow up, thank god. And they grab the, qu- the Quaxium carefully, because Kaz and, and Niku are being very careful not to blow everybody up. And they head for the exit. Our heroes get onto the pirate ship just in time and get out of there as Pyre explodes the rest of the Dreadnought and they zoom back to safety, but not quite. Kaz starts to call the Aces back to the Colossus, which is actually for the best because the Aces are kind of getting their asses handed to them a little bit and they're just like, oh, oh, we are, we are very much racers and not fighter pilots. Huh, I wonder what the story of next week's episode is going to be about. <laughs> and everyone finally, like, gets back to the safe to safety, and Kazuniku head for the hyperdrive while Doza gets ready to jump. And it's a really tense moment, because they're getting fired upon, and Pyre's Star Destroyer is just pounding the Colossus, and Niku has to move the Quaxium from one casing to another. And if he breathes wrong, this thing will explode, and they're fucked. And in the most critical moment, the Colossus loses its shields and starts taking real damage. And Tam, this whole time, has been on the bridge of Pyre's Star Destroyer, and she watches in horror, watching the Colossus get hit. Luckily, Niku is able to get the Quaxium in, and the hyperdrive gets going, and the Colossus jumps out of there to safety. In Pyre and Tyranny, after some more casual fascist bullshit, are just like, good job, Tamara, we'll call you if we need you. And they dismiss Tam. And then they're just like, so what are we going to do with her? He's like, I think that you should condition her. Like you, you know, maybe you want to condition me tonight in bed. And she's like, mm, I don't know if that's on my schedule tonight. Because I really did just want to keep it all natural. And you're trying too hard, but maybe tomorrow. And she walks out and Pyre's like, oh, step on me. <laughs> I like the idea that he thinks that she's in love with him and he's not. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, thank you. Uh, where I lost my, my, my spot. <laughs> ah, I don't yep. know if he thinks she's in... Yeah, he probably does think she's in love with him, but yeah, I he have, just thinks he's like, yeah, she's hanging on, the, on my every word. I have the gold armor and Chick's dick gold. And she's the like... Mm. She knows a real man when she sees one. And she's like, that's the overcompensation armor. You know who has great armor? Phasma. And Pyre's like, you know who's dead? Phasma. <laughs> and she's like, good point, good point. Okay, I guess we'll do. Anyway, the episode ends with Yeager being suspicious because he's like, how did they find us? There is like, yeah, like I know we were worried about them maybe showing up, but they showed up really fast. 
How did they find us so stupid easily? It shouldn't have been that simple. Which is exactly what Samara points out to Kaz in an elevator. And she's like, look, I miss my girlfriend. And I should have said goodbye to her. And I know that she left me and all this stuff. But our my girlfriend gave us up to the First Order. And Kaz and Niku, rightfully, don't think that Tam would have given them up. Which they are right about because it was actually that bitch who made Tam do it. But Samara's like, I'm going to say it again. You two are damn bleeding heart protagonists. And if I die on this ship, it's your fault. The end. <laughs> She's right, uh, too. Yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah, I guess for character-wise, it's good. Because, like, yeah, this is the seed that, that Kaz spreads to bring Tam back. But at the same time, he does endanger the entire Colossus over one person. So. Yeah, yeah. I, mm, I, I'm okay. I'm okay you know, with it too. But it's, yeah, it's plot. It's plot. Yeah, like yeah, I understand yeah. the logics of why everybody is behind him, but I'm like, Kaz's nature is he is nice and kind, and that is, that is the. Yeah, everybody, the everybody knew he did it, and and at the same time, nobody really blamed him too much for it. They're just like, yeah, we know you did it. He's softy. So it's like, yeah, he does. He's not going to get an awful lot of like hate on it, but yeah, it's like, every, everybody knows he's a softy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a lot of lines for this. Uh, the battle is the battle that is great in this, and I love space battles in this show. I'm and actually very, surprised you haven't talked about like the look of all the debris and stuff in space. That was nice too. That was nice too. We've seen we've sort of seen that before yeah. in the earlier ones. But then we've seen a space battle before, but this was a bigger space battle and it had I think purposely like a little like feel of like the battles in Rogue One. Uh at, which were sort of like, you know, episode 4 you know original trilogy style i think it really had a lot of feel of like a little mini rogue one battle in it it was fun um my only other note is a sound design um other than the also the music is really nice in this one um the the sound of the star destroyer shooting the the shields of the ship is a really is a neat sound it's almost like a hollow metal sound i'm on the fence about how i feel about that sound (laughs) i I like it i like it and i know why they did it they did it so you could hear the so there would be a distinct hitting the shield sound and a distinct they're starting to bash away at the ship sound you know to build to build tension towards the towards the end of it but i liked the sound of them it was very it was like it was kind of aquatic it had a kind of watery sound to it which is which is funny because they're sort of a water they were a water-based ship for a long time so i liked it i thought it was the first time they did it i was like oh i hope they do that sound effect again they did they did it about four or five times so i i like it i like the sound too i just think it's a little goofy just just a touch just barely but just I, barely uh, yeah, just barely uh, enough to where uh, i was still in the episode but if it if it was just a touch less goofy it wouldn't have taken me out of the moment because it almost sounded like um 
gosh, I don't know, like almost like hitting like a um like a metal bar- a barrel. A metal and, barrel that has water in it. Yeah. Yeah. Boom sort of noise. Was, and and the thing is we've heard sounds of, of of bolts hitting shields. And so I like that the, I, I will say I, that the Colossus had a unique sound of its own. Uh, well, there's just, different kinds of shields because that was reminiscent of Gungan's shields had a sort of yeah. sort of noise to them when they got hit too. So oh, that's interesting because it, it might have been that. It might have been more like yeah, right, right, right. It might have been a more. It, they might have been shields that were more tailored towards a you know world where, where you would use water. Maybe the shields were. See, that's the thing is maybe those shields were uh, invented to go underwater too, like a submarine or be able to do space and underwater. I don't know, but it did. It did have a, now that we're mentioning it, it does have a sort of Gungan tech sound. So, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. God damn it, honey. Well, you sold me on the shield. I like it. <laughs> the Gungans got me. Because, like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Hey, if we could take goofiness of the, the level of droids, of of. <laughs> battle droids you know and they're and they're goofy goofy hijinks then you can take a little bit of watery shields i guess well, the, the, the difference is it, it was almost taking me out of the episode that's the difference yeah it was in a very serious moment yes. yeah yeah um and that's all i really got for this, this the, part. the goofiness of battle droids are built into it like you know that that's expected when i see a battle droid it better have a sassy line like it's built into the mythos. Like that just that moment almost took me out of it. But you sold me on the Gungan shields, and I'm here for it now. I'm like, yes, give them, give me water shields. Um, I actually I kind of already did my big note about this, which was um the the dehumanization of Tam with when Tyranny was like DT five to three, put your helmet on, and she's not Tam anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of already talked about my big note of this. Yeah, their number is almost like a prisoner number. Mm-hmm. I mean. Sort of the pilots of the rebellion and stuff, sort of like, and would get like red five and stuff like that. But that's like a color and a number. And like when they were down playing cards, they weren't calling each other red five. They were calling them by their names and stuff like that. But yeah, in the and first order, that's your name. <laughs> and it's the the opposite of the clones because the clones were born with numbers and then they fought to have identity. You know, like Rex is like C. What CT six five four five or something like that? I I, I know clock uh, fives is CT five 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 five. I know it's just because it's easy. I'll bet um, you in the first order they they got nicknames and stuff, but they would probably allow it through battle and stuff like that. So then it's your first order name, you know. Actually, that that sorta is a bit of a thing. They explored that in. I think the Phasma com one of the comics explained I can't remember if it's the Phasma comic or the Phasma one shot, but it was about a trooper who had a, a number and that was her name. She was always raised with that number, and apparently you earn a name. But Phasma came in like such a fucking badass that she never had a number. She just came in with a name. So when we see Pyre and Tyranny, um, unless they came in with that, they've earned their name. And it's kind of like a weird, messed up, backwards version of the clones where the clones were like, oh, we don't want numbers. We just want identity. My name is Bob. Yeah, um, Ph- but- Phasma probably like like would show up behind people like a phantom, you know, and they're just like, she's like the Phasma and it's it stuck or something like that, you know? I, I, apparently it's covered in her novel, but I haven't read her novel yet. So I don't know. 
<laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my other two notes is uh, both kind of small, half big. I love that they that Niku is really kind of the MVP of this episode. Um, he's so easy to write off as just you know a, a comedic character, but this episode shows why he's actually very important <laughs> because he's the only one who knows how to handle the coaxium properly, and they probably all would have died if Niku wasn't there. So I just like having you know these moments where it's like Niku's not just comedic relief; he's also very vital to the story as well. So I just I like that he was really the important part of the episode. Um. And my only other note is I really like that they address that the aces are not fighter pilots. Yeah, they fight they fight pirates, but they're not used to fighting in war. You know, they can be fast and go pew pew, but they don't know formations. They don't know how to fight other soldiers. They're not soldiers. And I liked that. I, I liked that we saw that because that's the plot. They've of been fighting episode. pirates who are unorganized too, just sort of like out for for you know feral feral warriors yeah so it's it's a nice moment that they touched on that and you know it's, it's a nice lead into next week's episode that's the plot of next week's episode we're, we're talking about live fire and the whole point of it is the aces are learning how to fight as a unit that's the point um so yeah I, i'm glad it was addressed so but that's all i have for the episode did you have anything else not really. All right. Well, score it up for me. I give it a nine. I didn't have an awful lot of notes for it, but it's a solid episode. And it's and like the last one was like, I don't want to say it was spinning its wheels, but it was just sort of ex- establishing the new status quo. And this one like puts the plot right on the rails, you know, and pushes it forward. And it's go and it's going and it's just it was visually different and fun. It was more visually exciting this episode. And yeah, I thought it was just very solid in everything it presented. I liked it a lot. High five. Cause I gave it a nine too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for, for a lot of the same reasons, but I also like so much of the subtleties and the character writing is really good. I love the scene with Kaz and his father. You can read so much into the relationship how they're handling Tam in the First Order, and even, like, Fucklin. Like, the writing of Fucklin is just great, because you just hate him. And everything is just so balanced well there. And it still has those, like, little resistance comedic things, like Niku being a pirate for three whole minutes. is funny. It's a really funny scene. He's like, I'm going to try this. Nope, <laughs> not for me. Um, and it, it's so tense, and, and the, the be- like, it's beautifully animated, and I love having, like, you know faces for everybody like there's so many like little things so yeah it's solid across the board i also gave it a nine so yeah oh my god we got an announcement ah! all right right they made it yeah. all the way to the end they made it all the way to the end so we have a guest next week to come talk with us about live fire next week we will be joined by that rebels guy a fellow animation fan fellow cat lover, and the host of A Larger View of the Force podcast, Dr. DeVore. His first name is DeVore. Uh, but I think this is our first time we have a doctor on the show. Yeah, probably. We we never had Dr. Bill Robinson on. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's not like that kind of doctor. He's 
like not medical doctor, other doctor. Um, but yeah, we have a doctor in the house next week. Doctor in the house. So I'm really excited about having Devor on the show. He has a really interesting um, show where it's definitely like uh, looking at Star Wars, but also like looking at it in context with other things as well. And looking at Star Wars within how he likes it and how other people likes it, but also how Star Wars works with other media as well. So it's a really interesting podcast. So I'd definitely check out um, a larger view of the force and he's going to be our guest next week. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the two true freaks, Facebook page. This week feedback comes from the two true freaks, Facebook also, page. Also hope on the two true freaks page on our posts, because you can leave comments now on episodes. Ooh, I forgot about that. at the two true freaks website. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, I forgot about that. I need mm-hmm. to update this. Um, this week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our two for two episodes for Resistance, Station Theta Black, and Dangerous Business. Take it away, Chris. All right. For Station Theta Black, the first um, letter comes from Diego Lemos. He says, uh, what Leia said at the end of the episode reminds me that, according to the novels, the Resistance is viewed by the galaxy as a radical group seeking to start a war with the First Order, who in return are viewed as that quirky group that dresses like the empire nothing to worry about here aka the neo-nazis in the real world exactly yeah, yeah. and it, it's, it's exactly the opposite that's what's happening yeah. but okay. i wish they would have i wish they would have illustrated that in the first movie that was my big complaint with with the force awakens is uh you just had to be like, well, I guess I assume the Empire still existed and changed its name. You, you know, you weren't really sure what was going on with it, how long they'd been around, how much they seemed like they were in control of the galaxy, maybe or maybe not. It was, yeah, very up in the air. But yeah, that's. Yeah. And that's something I feel like Resistance could have cleared up a little bit better. And. It, that that is, I wish they they kind of handle that a little. Knowing more that versus, makes it make more sense and it makes it more interesting, and not knowing that made it seem dumb. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, wait, we beat the we beat the Empire, right? We beat the Empire, right? That was the last. That was that was Return of the Jedi, right? Was the Empire got beaten? Yeah, I thought so. Mm-hmm. All right, our second. Thank you, Diego. Thank you. Our second letter comes from. Is for the episode Dangerous Business, and it comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Also, I have, like, no idea what half of this means. <laughs> Garage Sale Gloat made it in for the episode's theme music. That's because I used um, the Sanford and Son theme, which is also the Garage Sale Gloat theme, but that was because that was my tribute to, uh, to um, Orca and Flicks. Chris ever does a garage sale gloat solo, maybe he can impersonate Orca and Flix and have them talk to him or talk to who? What? I'm not sure what that was supposed to be. I guess him for the ride? Talk to him for the ride. Well, if I ever go solo, I'll be on a bike or something because I don't have a car, so that would be interesting. It has happened before, though. Or, better yet, get their voice actors. LOL. Oh, my God. If you got Bobby Moynihan and, and Jim Rashigo grab something with you, oh, my God. <laughs> or do the, do the like, um, GPS for the car. 
I would ask Yoda's imposter about Miss Piggy and see how he reacts. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to. <laughs> but that's all our letters. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. Oh, I was about to say come back next week. But, hey, if that's it for a quick Salvatron, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our podcast website. That's where you can find all our podcasts. You can sign up for our RSS feeds. You can come there and you can leave messages on our our episodes of J Guys and Jedi or any of the other podcasts that you listen to for that matter. And we are also on Facebook. We have the Two True Freaks podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina. And the podcast page, you can see all our shows on the Cantina site. You can hang out with all the cool people that belong to the cantina and we are also on the uh just (laughs) wretched hive of scum and villainy called twitter and when i say we i don't mean me or or hope i mean gene gene well yeah yeah not on this particular twitter page though but yeah you're on you're on twitter I'm sorry. Ah, uh, that's Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. Gene! And he, he, he will post all our episodes and all news on that page, too, that you can go check out. And that about does it for me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at Jedi on Twitter. Um, I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molnix. I write over at geekygirlexperience.com, and I'm currently doing Owl House reviews for the Geeky Waffle, um, so I'm very excited about doing that. And I, Chris and I also have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we are in the process of wrapping up Avatar, and we do re- like this show record ahead of time. So Chris has already seen his first two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. You said we're wrapping it up, so we're, guys, we're not wrapping it up yet. We haven't got that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still wrapping up Gravity Falls, but... um. Oh, yeah, yeah. At this, yeah, like when yeah. we're recording... Yeah, it's so... It's <coughs> so confusing. <laughs> We have two shows that we record in advance, and this one's about, what, three, four weeks in advance? And Home Thanks Chris Watch Cartoons is about six weeks in advance. <laughs> but Chris has finally watched his first two episodes of Avatar, so that will be coming out soon over on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Yes. And you can hear that without giving too much away from the episode. Very quick. Did you like it? Avatar. So far. The first two episodes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was so God, funny. I hope so. We got three seasons. Yeah. I mean, it was actually so funny because it's directed by... The first two episodes are directed by Dave Filoni, and the storyboard artists are Dave Filoni, Justin Ridge, who is the producer of this show and Rebels, and one Carlo Volpe, who was a writer and directed for Clone Wars. So I'm just like, look at these three Clone Wars people who storyboarded Avatar's first two episodes. <laughs> so... Yeah, we're having fun over there. All right. George Lucas said, I'd like to talk to those young men. Can I talk to them, please? Bring them to me. Bathe them and bring them to me. <laughs> Wrap them in gold. Anoint them with, with fragrant oils. Bathe them and bring them to me. Kathleen, do you see these two young men? Kathleen's like, yes, I also own the world. And have coffee. <laughs> No, no, Kathleen Kennedy does not bring him coffee. Oh, okay. 
she does not. <laughs> she helped build that empire. She is also empress in there. So <laughs> her, George, and, and um, what's the other one? Spielberg. Spielberg. Thank you. I was about to say Steven Seagal for some reason. I'm like, I know it's not Steven Seagal. What is wrong with me? <laughs> That's the, not the right person. <laughs> Steven Seagalberg. Oh my God. There's an alternate universe where like E.T. is a Steven Seagal movie. Oh my god, that's a Photoshop project for me, Steven Seagalberg. Oh, go have fun with that. You'll have fun. All right, you guys, we will see you next week with Devor here, and we're going to talk live fire. So come back next week. Yay! Bye. The doctor will be in. The doctor will be in. And also, you know, if you want to prep, go. Go over and check out a large review of the Force podcast. Give it a listen. It's really fun over there. So, bye guys. Bye. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. Wait a minute. Uh, um, I got it in the tip of my tongue. Come on. Uh, oh, golly, I'm not even... Let me see. Oh, Alexander Dumbass! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Henry Dumbass!